In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tug Entertainment or its partners. Motherhood Incorporated proudly presents Military Mom Talk Radio live on toginet.com. Co-hosted by Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here with a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. Military Mom Talk Radio encourages you to share your experiences of being a military wife and mother. This show is dedicated to educating your family about the many resources that are available in both the public and private sector and we'll be sharing helpful information from women all over the world we'll cover everything military from helping a family member cope with post-traumatic stress disorder to navigating government programs dealing with family issues to the struggles of deployment along with being a working mother both in and out of the home this is military mom talk radio and here are your hosts sandra beck and robin boyd Hey, military moms. Happy, happy Monday. We have a great show today. We're going to talk about the honor flight, which is so cool. We've got Dr. Jody Bramer coming. She's going to talk to us a little bit about PTSD and what to expect in counseling sessions. I think we can take the mystery out of some of those things. I know first time I went to counseling, I was really nervous. I thought like they were going to pull my brains out, but it was actually a really good experience. Um, and then we're going to welcome Michael Moon Mullins, the Triple M. He's a Vietnam veteran um, of the 199th Light Infantry, 68 to 69. We won't even talk about who was born during that time, but he's the author of Out of the Mist, Memories of War. And then we're going to round out our show with Joyce Faulkner. Uh, for those of you that are regulars, you know that Joyce Faulkner is the president of Military Writers Society of America, and she's doing the greatest thing for our show. Um, she's doing these segments once a month, the first Monday of the month. Joyce comes on, and she helps new authors and, you know, existing authors with techniques with um things they need to know because one of the things we found and robin you and i know this from doing the show for over three years we get to memorialize parts of history not only through our show but through the written word through these stories for future generations uh to come absolutely and you know sandra so many times people have stories in them and they don't realize that a story can just come right out of their heart and i've i've seen so many times people say well i'm not a writer i can't do this but it's amazing when all of a sudden you start to just pour out whatever is in your mind as if you're talking to a friend talking to a grandchild talking to whomever that's the story and those are the stories that we need to be passing on to for generations to come i'm trying to get my mother to do some journaling too (laughs) see and i think that's so important you know because you know when my mom died in september i didn't realize how many stories uh she took with her you know until my son recently he had to do his biography uh for third Mm -hmm. grade and he was asking me all these questions mom what was it like for you what did you do and you know i was the kid i don't know what i did i mean i know the wrong things i did (laughs) but i don't remember all the cute little things and you know I spent a lot of time with my mom so I knew the answers to some
come, you know, but when I asked my dad, he's like, well, I don't know, hon, because I was at work and there were so sure. many things that, that died with her. And that's what's happening like to our veterans. Our World War II veterans are dying at a rate of 900 a day now. So they're taking those stories with them and to record them, I think is such a great gift for us and for future generations. Absolutely. Our local um, Heritage Commission does audio uh, history, um, what, uh, I guess, what do we call them, little um, little collections, and they will just sit down with somebody and talk with them and record their voice, and it's a beautiful thing. And then, of course, we'll have somebody just transcribe them and whatnot, just getting them to, to tell their story, and we'll worry about the writing part later. <laughs> It's just the pouring out that we we just encourage everybody to do. Um, And if you do have family members, that's just a beautiful thing. My daughter's newly married. In fact, today is her one-year anniversary. Can you believe it's a year year already? Happy anniversary, Emily and Ryan. Um, Anniversary. (laughs) But for every once in a while, my mother will say something about when she was first married. And I say, you need to write that down to Emily because they write back and forth to each other. They they correspond and it's adorable. But I think this is what we need to encourage anybody who has served or was with someone who served the the, the people who were home. How did how did they survive that uh, that time of deployment while their loved ones were away in the forties? That that was completely different than what it is today. Completely different, you know. And what I love about it, Rob, you know, when I read these stories, you know, because thankfully, you know, we got aligned with Military Writers Society of America, so they brought all these new authors into our fold um, Mm. so that we can enjoy them. And this is, I'm probably going to get poked at for saying this, but it really doesn't matter getting all the facts 100% right. You know, I see this with my dad's friends, the military, and they're like, it was a P-38. No, it was a P-35. God bless them, but I don't really care what plane it was to a point. I want to know the human interest. I want to know my ex-father-in-law, you know, was in the bomb bay and what that felt like and what it smelled Mm -hmm. like and what it looked like. And, you know, when you looked out at the opening, did you feel like you were going to fall out? You know, Mm. those details. And I think a lot of our veterans get hung up on the the technical parts of it because they want to get it right. And I'm going to just say it doesn't always have to be right because everybody remembers things differently. And that's part of the story. I mean, how many times have we read the Bible and how many chapters in the Bible retell the same story and um, it's told a completely different way? Everybody's excerpt is going to be different. Everybody's interpretation is going to be different. Everybody's feeling and the way they coped with it is going to be different. And not everybody will relate to one, but they may relate to another. And that's, again, so important because what's going to touch someone's heart may be in somebody else's um, untold story. And that's the one thing that that person uh, will benefit by. And who knows how many generations from now will will just be able to share with that many more people because of the things that Joyce Faulkner's uh, initiating with her wonderful organization. Absolutely. Well, and God knows we get everybody's name wrong on this show. I get their ranks wrong. You know, we get the <laughs> titles of books wrong. But it does, still doesn't mean it's not a good show. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, well, we try and rock it every week, don't we, Zan? <laughs> we do. We do. But, you know, with all the different names and all the different titles and everybody going every which way, you know, the point, I guess, is just do the best you can with whatever you're recording and writing and don't get hung up too much on the technicality because it's the heart that counts. That's for sure. That's for sure. Talking about heart, I want to, before we uh, get going to our first break, Sam, I want to talk a little bit about Next Flight. Um, and I want to put a call out to everybody who's down in the St. Petersburg Clearwater area in Central Florida, West Central Florida. On April 3rd, this Wednesday, there is going to be a welcome home at the airport for uh, a first a, an honor flight group coming home. Uh, if you don't know anything about Honor Flight. It's a wonderful organization and it helps veterans visit their memorial in Washington, D.C. And the next flight in Florida happens to be this coming Wednesday. So if you're in the St. Petersburg Clearwater area um, around 7 p.m., be sure to go and wear your red, white, and blue. Bring signs, pictures, flags, balloons, and give them an awesome welcome home. I think that's amazing. Uh, And you know uh, a, a bit about um, the Honor Flight program, don't you, San? I do. I do. I just think it's the coolest thing. I've donated in the past, and um, and my dad's a big, big airplane guy. You know, we have to, you know, name every plane that goes over the house, even present day. So anything to do with flights um, is just a big part of our um, part of our our family here. And the first honor flight took pa- uh, took place in May of 2005 when six little planes flew out of Springfield, Ohio. And no, I don't know what kind of planes they were, <laughs> um, but they took. 12, my dad will come in later and tell me, uh, they are, um, they took 12 World War II veterans on a visit to the memorial in Washington, D.C. And so when Honor Air in Henderson, North Carolina, they partnered up, they formed the Honor Flight Network. And, um, you know, and it was conceived by this guy. He was a retired Air Force captain yes. who wanted to hire veterans. That's right. And, That's um, right. you know. You just go, who knows where these great ideas are going to come from. And he was hired by the Department of Veteran Affairs um, to work in the small clinic in Springfield, Ohio. And he was talking to his World War II veteran places and asked if they would ever visit their memorial. But, you know, it's so hard for, you know, financially or physically Mm -hmm. um, to make these trips. You know, when you think about at that time, these guys were in their 80s. Now they're, you know, (laughs) That's right. And, um, you know, so it's just a really great um, organization. And so a board was funded and, you know, planes are now flying um, these veterans to uh, to the memorial. And um, so far, like I think it was in 2006 that they flew over 300 people. And by the end of uh, 2006, it was like 900 of them. It's and so Southwest got on board yeah. in 2008. And, you know, it's just grown since there. It's a wonderful organization, and I encourage everybody to go to www.honorflight.org. One of the things that they're always looking for, and that's the national organization, and there are chapters around, their regional hubs around the country, and they are always looking for escorts, guardians, I believe they call them, so that the, the veteran themselves will be transported for free, but oftentimes they will have guardians 
ingredients that are going to help them transport down and back. And just having that escort uh, to help them along, and whether it be um, if they have some um, ambulatory challenges or, or other issues that they need, those guardians are there to help. So if you have any way of being a guardian for a trip, if you would like to contribute to the organization to help make more of these trips possible, go to honorflight.org. Um, we're heading into a break. On the other side of the break, we have Jody Bramer coming to, to visit us. She's always such a wonderful person uh, to listen to. She brings us such insightful um, insightful things to think and talk about. She's a licensed in marriage family therapist, and she makes people happier than they were, more secure, more confident, more capable. We always love Jody. Um, and then we'll uh, later on in the show be visiting Michael Moon Mullins and Joan Faulkner. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on toginet.com. put a boot in your ass, it's the American way. Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list and the Statue of Liberty started shaking. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd.
Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I am here with Robin Boyd, and we've got a great show today. We talked about Honor Flight earlier, and just a little update that we got in, 81,000 people have been transferred to the War Memorial uh, for World War II, so that's some pretty uh, that's some pretty intense numbers. That's impressive. Isn't that, though? I mean, you think it's only like seven, eight years old, really, when people have been flying, so that's just really cool. Well, they sure do rock it out. I'll tell you, they are wonderful. And we just want everybody, if you, I know the people who are, have been guardians, like I say this, we have this one gal right here in Manchester who has been a guardian and she just gets so much out of the experience. Just a wonderful opportunity for her as well as our veterans. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Well, we've got Dr. Jody Bramer uh, coming on with us right now, and she is uh, a counselor extraordinaire for mm-hmm. military families. And Jody, Jody, can you hear me? Can. Hello. Hey, Jody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. You know, I was hoping in today's segment. You know, when we bring you back, you always give us such great insight. There's a lot of families out there. You know, recently I got an email from a gal whose husband had just come back from Afghanistan and he was having some difficulty and she didn't know what to do. And she was so nervous about, you know, going to see a counselor or going to a counselor session. I had the idea that we could talk about, like, what is it? that people can expect? I mean, when you, you know, for somebody who's never gone to a counselor and you've seen families and kids and husbands and wives and, you know, for all sorts of things, can you walk us through from the point at which they even walk in the door? What can somebody expect, especially if they're going to talk to um, a counselor about PTSD or something that's affecting the whole family? Uh, That's an excellent question. And it's, in light of that, it's not surprising to know that a lot of couples or individuals come in and sit on the couch and say, I'm so nervous. I don't know what to expect. And, oh, I'm scared to death. <laughs> and what I, what I want most when my clients first walk in, and especially continuing, is to feel a sense of calm and relaxation and to know that there's nothing expected and there's nothing magical. Well, sometimes it feels magical, but there's nothing that is going to change their life in a minute's time. It's a process. Uh, Therapy is a process. But the most important process is having that client or the client feel welcome and feel safe. And that's a very important word, to feel safe when they enter my office. My office is designed with the idea of comfort. It's got um, lots of fake fur. It's got a lot of soft, tactile things. The idea being that when you come into my office, you feel like you're in a living room, somebody's friendly, touchable, livable living room where you, you can put your feet up or you can hang loose on the couch. And as soon as they know that this is a safe place and that the things that they say to me aren't going anywhere else, it, it's a very unique haven that they may not have anywhere else. Uh, in the rest of their world, with their bosses, with their families, with their parents, with their children, things are expected of them. And in, in the office, in a therapy session, nothing is expected from them. It's their time to say and do whatever they want without judgment. And that's especially true when we're dealing with military members and PTSD and anything where, in the past, 
PTSD could label them or they could feel that there's a stigma attached to it. And when they come in my office, there is nothing that's going to judge. There is nobody that's going to write anything. There's no evaluation. There's no, uh, especially if you go through Military One Source, there's no insurance paperwork or anything like that. All it is is the client sitting down or the client sitting down and starting to express themselves in a way that they perhaps never have had before. These people may have had feedback or even in talking to a best friend, you know, I, um, uh, I, I feel really bad about this or I'm dealing with this or I'm struggling with this. And the friend says, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I'm struggling with this too. And instead of being able to talk it out or say what it is that, that they need, they become more of a, um, a dynamic between the two of them. When people come to therapy, the therapist is there for the hour, and the therapist is there simply to help with any and all problems that the client comes in with as best they can. Again, there's no magic formula. There's no special wand that's waved that says, poof, all your problems are gone. What it does, though, is allow the client in a way that, again, perhaps they've never had, to feel completely in a safe surrounding where the focus is on them, and especially for wives or, or people who have been in a position where somebody else has focus. Children have the focus. Husbands have the focus. It may be the first time in a very long time, if ever, that the person feels, hey, this is all about me. And that feels pretty good, I've found out. And Sandra, you tell me, what does it feel like when you're sitting on the couch in a therapist's office? Well, I, I think, you know, the first time, like I said, I was really nervous. I like almost passed out. I was so nervous. And I kept thinking I was going to get yelled at. Like she was going to say like, no, you can't think this way or no, you shouldn't feel that way. Because some of the stuff I said in there was pretty awful. You know, it was like, I hate this person and I, this is why and blah, blah, blah. You know, these things that I wouldn't even say in public. And, um, you know, she just listened to me and she helped me figure out why I felt that way. I felt better because I could talk about it. Um, and it it wasn't scary, but you know I really thought that they were going to tell me I was wrong. It was the wrong thing to think. It you shouldn't you do crazy. this. Yeah, a lot of people think you're going to tell me I'm crazy. You're going to you're going to you're going to call me crazy, and it's like. Well, if you're saying that you're crazy, chances are you're not crazy. <laughs> right, right. If we're self-reflective enough to, to, to gauge the craziness, we're probably not that crazy. But that's what it feels like because you go in there and you think, oh, my God, I'm in a counseling session. So, ergo, there must be all these huge things wrong with me. You know, and that kind of weighs on you. And then you look at the other people waiting and coming out and go, ooh, what's wrong with them? Oh, I mean, what's their problem? Yes. And I have go, oh, my God, but I'm here, too. I have a but sign you- on my wall that says, don't should on yourself. Oh. And <laughs> should is a big component. It's a big component in guilt. It's a big compo- component in blame. It's a big component in PTSD or in marriage where I should do this. He should do that. I shouldn't have done this. He shouldn't have done that. And you even said, I should be something when you walked into the counselor's office. And don't should on yourself is is a huge theme in my therapy. Should is a bad word. 
When it they, is. It is. It really is. When you should on others, you're telling them something and your expectations haven't been met. Therefore, they're already bad. And if you should on yourself and say, I should have done this, I should have done that, then you feel this intense guilt because if I should have, apparently I didn't, and therefore I'm wrong and bad. And to me, when clients first start shoulding on themselves, I say we need to remove that word from your vocabulary. There's no shoulds, there's no expectations in here. Let's rephrase it. You would like to, or it would be nice if, but let's remove the should. And yeah, because should gives you, it's so much pressure. Well, you should do this. You should have known this. You should have known it when you married a military <laughs> guard that this would happen. You know, it's just, it's even, awful. Absolutely. Or even something more intense, like it should have been me, or it shouldn't have been my buddy. Uh, something along those lines, or I should have done more. Um, I should have led this command. I should have done something. And should is a, is a huge component in the anger, fear, blame, sadness that circulates in the military as well as in civilian life. Well, yeah, that self-judgment, because when you said, I should have done more, I should have done this, I should have done that, it's like what you did do wasn't good enough, and then you get really down on yourself, and then it's hard to move forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in my office, should is a bad word. So people come, come in, in and they just sit down. They sit, come in, they sit down, they look at me. <laughs> <laughs> and they've come for a reason. It took a lot of strength for people to pick up the phone and call for help. It takes a huge amount of strength. And I recognize that and I honor that. And something drove them to my office. And I, I want to know what that is. So very simply, I want to know what what. It's bringing you here today. And generally speaking, most people, you know, they shrug their shoulders. They say, oh, my gosh, where do I start? There's so much. And I say, you know, relax and take a breath. Um, start wherever you want because uh, where should I start is a big one, too. And it, it's okay to start wherever you want because it might be something immediate that you want to talk about or something that happened in the past repeating or something that, I, you know, it, it's very interesting. A lot of times the things that people say bring them into therapy are not necessarily the things that bring them into therapy. And it may take several sessions to establish a rapport and make the client truly feel comfortable enough to share because I'm a stranger. When, when they walk into my office, they don't know me. And they need to get to know me as well as I need to get to know them. And whatever they say, that's okay. And if it's off topic, that's okay because initially we'll, we'll eventually get to where we need to be. And it, it is a process and allow the patience of the process and believe in the process. It's not a beginning and an end point because things are constantly changing and they'll change from day to day and week to week with my clients. And Well, and sometimes, okay. Jody, I don't know what's wrong. Like I know something's wrong. You know, because I feel that something's wrong, but I can't figure it out. I can't articulate it. And that's where the counselor can go, well, Sam, maybe it's this, this, and this. And then I think about it. And together we figure it out so we can, in some respects, fix it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to corroborate with your, your therapist. You have to trust that your therapist is on your side and is there to, to understand and not judge. And you have to feel good about it. And sometimes it isn't a good fit. And that's okay. I don't want people to give up if it's not a good fit the first time. Try somebody else. Try another fit because the benefits from therapy far outweighs handling these things on your own. 
Jody, you're always such a wealth of information for us, and you always give us such a good perspective so that we can feel better moving forward. Jody Bramer, thank, thank you. you. Thank we want to uh, make sure people find you at jodybramer.com, and that's J O D Y B R E. M-E-R.com. Next, we have Michael Mullins coming on, a Vietnam veteran, um, with with our uh, next segment. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Wondering how to market, where to invest, where to advertise, where to find the right advice, or what to do about taxes? Doing business today is a complex venture, and that's where all biz talk comes in. All Biz Talk helps businesses and individuals find the right path to their success and learn more about the ideas, products, and services used by today's top professionals. Success leaves clues, so if you want to be successful, it's always best to listen to the people who have already been where you want to be. Our hosts are unbiased and will ask the hard questions, taking your calls to help connect you with the right professionals, people who can help you get a better handle on your personal and business choices. All BizTalk is not a financial services company and does not offer any financial advice, but we will help you make the right choice when it comes to planning your financial future. Join All BizTalk Tuesday afternoons at 1 Pacific, 3 Central at allbiztalk.com. Parents, if you feel overloaded, overworked, underappreciated, and seriously stressed out, The Parents Plate is here to help you. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on Toginet. It's time to build stronger families through parent empowerment. And that's what The Parents Plate does. The Parents Plate understands the busyness of life and balancing child rearing and other commitments. Brenda Nixon will be talking to noted experts in all on all issues, from teething to teen driving. Brenda Nixon is a nationally recognized speaker to parents and child care professionals and author of the award-winning The Birth to Five book. From Fox 4 in Kansas City to schools and synagogues to businesses to bookstores, conferences to churches, audiences rave that Brenda engages, educates, and encourages. For more information on Brenda and her books, check out her website, brendanixon.com. The Parents Plate is loaded with information and affirmation. The Parents Plate with Brenda Nixon. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. There ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, Military Moms, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Robin Boyd. And if you guys missed the first segment of the show, tune in to iTunes or go to toginet.com or militarymomtalkradio.com and pick up that segment. It's a great, great primer for anybody who's thinking of going to counseling or seeking counseling for everything from PTSD to family issues to deployment to loneliness. I mean, there's so many things that our counselors can help us with uh, these days. It's, it's changed a lot. It's come a long way. 
And um, Robin, don't you just love Jody? Oh, she just makes everything so natural and so easy and so simple. I, I think so many times we have so many predisposed thoughts and, and fears and we just have to put them aside and take a big breath and listen to somebody like Jody. So thanks. I'm so glad she comes and visits us frequently. Me too. Me too. Well, we've got Michael Moon Mullins coming up now. He's a Vietnam veteran. He's a Purple Heart winner. And um, my gosh, he does so much. He's a poet. He writes a monthly column. Um, and he's written this book called Out of the Mist, Memories of War, which is a collection of short stories about veterans that you meet in stores and sit near in restaurants or walk by on the streets. It's really, really a unique presentation, um, I think, of our our stories. Michael, are you with us? Am good afternoon. Hello, Hi. welcome. <laughs> now, where are you calling in from? I well I'm sitting just outside Rogersville, Tennessee at the moment. Oh you're Near. you're at Lake Place, right? Yes I am. Wonderful. I just look out the window and saw my first ski boat go by for the season was a little bit oh, jealous. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend in Friendsville, Tennessee. Is that anywhere near you? I'm not sure. I'm about midway between Knoxville and Bristol. I think he's more toward Knoxville, but I have never been down there. I I uh, have a plan to make it a trip, though. <laughs> You'd like it. They he he loves it there, and he's a New Englander, and he absolutely loves Tennessee. Beautiful country. So, Michael, how did you come up with the idea of a collection of short stories? You know, there's lots of books out there, you know, about war, about, you know, the different concepts that you cover. But yours is unique in that it's a collection of short stories, which I think is really cool, especially for me that doesn't have much um, staying power for focus. (laughs) Well, I'm too dumb to write a complete novel. (laughs) I wouldn't say that. (laughs) Well, actually, I was challenged by a little tiny lady author, a combination Methodist minister, at a poetry reading one night. And she said, uh, Mullins, you're a coward. You're afraid to get out of your comfort zone. Poetry comes easy to you, um, but you're a natural prosist, and you won't give yourself a chance. You're afraid of being criticized. And you know, I'm I'm not a small guy. I'm six three or so, and you know, she was maybe five feet and ninety pounds, and she's looking up at me, belly to belly, well, belly to knee, <laughs> and uh, she called me a coward. And I kind of rethought my position. I thought I'm going to do something different. So I ended up settling on the short stories because I had so many of them. You know, I had I had notes from conversations from people and, and hadn't done anything with them yet and wasn't sure how to handle them. And lo and behold, uh, it became a project. Were your notes from uh, for, uh, for a reason? Had you taken these notes in earlier years for a specific reason? I just just stories that I recall having heard them at at various veterans functions and reunions. Uh, sometimes those conversations would inspire a poem, or sometimes they would turn into a poem because a lot of guys want their story told, but they want it done anonymously, that sort of thing. And uh, they became a part of my book called Doobie Chats. 
and because they're vignettes, they're not they're anecdotal more than anything, and weren't com- uh, full blown stories. And then I found uh, stories came to me. People came to me, and, and I thought, well, you know, I really like this. It's a lot of work writing a, a real big book is a lot of work. Poetry is so much simpler for me. And I, I found that I loved it because I loved the people. And uh, it gave me an opportunity to tell some stories that had not been told. Where did you find some of your people? Some I knew. Uh, there's one man in there. Uh, that We were sitting Veterans Day at a, at a local restaurant that feeds poor veterans like myself for free on Veterans Day, and this older man came in in an electric wheelchair and, and wheeled into the booth next to us, and he was talking to my uh, one of my grandchildren and gave him 50 cents, and they struck up a conversation. <laughs> well, I asked him about his service, and I found out that he was involved in uh, night warfare as a, in a fighter planes in World War II. And, you know, he was just sitting across from me. And uh, another man that I had known for 40 years, my brother happened to mention that he had been with the Mars Task Force. And the man had never said a word to me. And the only reason my brother knew was because the man's older son was his best man. Oh, for Yeah, the topic had never come up, and the man never talked about it. So I gave him a call. I said, Jim, would you talk to me? And his story became A Walk in the Clouds, which is in the book about the taking of Burma. So, uh, you know, they're everywhere. And and you can, I passed one man and uh, sadly he's no longer with us because he got ill shortly after that and really never could talk to me. I met him in a parking lot at a local grocery store and found out that he was one of the island hoppers in the South Pacific with an infantry unit. Uh, you you don't know. You don't know who walks next to you on the sidewalk. What's so interesting, I think, from what I'm hearing, is that your collection canvases many different branches, many different wars. So I'm I'm thinking that your stories probably have this one common thread throughout them, but yet they're coming from such different pasts and backgrounds and that must be a fascinating collection well you know there's a common thread to it and that's a sense of duty and a sense of love for the country mm-hmm. and uh, it shouldn't be limited you know I, all the all the branches have contributed people in peacetime contribute um, you know we call it peacetime because there's somebody at the wall and we neglect them sometimes. So I decided when I was going to do this that I wasn't ruling out anything. And I wasn't ruling out the opportunity to talk to people that I knew had served, but were always very reluctant to talk about it. Uh, one thing that I, I've discovered I have a talent for is to get them to talk to me. Oh, yeah. And uh, that having done that first book gave me some credibility that... I had never considered when I did it, and since then, I've found out that it's it was merely a stepping stone. It was a building block. What a wonderful um, 
tribute in so many different ways because not only are you telling these stories, as you say, I, I know my dad was very closed mouth about a lot of stories. He just didn't tell. My husband knows more about the things that he experienced than I ever would know. And in turn, there's a lot of things about my husband's experiences that I don't know either. Being able to uh, pre- sort of begin that storytelling is so important. And you do, in fact, have that gift. <laughs> People are opening up their hearts to you, Mike. I think that's a wonderful thing. And for you to be sharing them is just t- a gift tenfold. Well, I love doing it. And one thing that's key to it is let it be their story. Yeah. You know, if I have an opinion about something, I try to make certain that if I inject it, that it's clear that it's my opinion. And another another prong on that approach is that if somebody says, "Don't reveal my name," or limits something that they've told you and doesn't want it included, you live up to your word and you do what they ask. Uh, that that is the. Most important thing, I think, in in, uh, in all regards, when telling these stories and getting people to reveal what they've done. Uh, there's one story in the book about a man uh, who I've known for years that I lived next door to his sister, and his own family did not know what he did at the end of World War II, and then again when he was recalled for Korea. I understand that wholeheartedly, absolutely, and um, it, it's so true. Mike, I want uh, people to know where they can find your book and where they can find you. Well, I try to be elusive. I don't know that I want to be found. <laughs> well, we have to have part deux. <laughs> we need a second a second edition coming out, I'm sure. Uh, where can we find uh, the Out of the Mist Memories of War? Well, it, uh, it's on the online library. Of course, you can do MWSA. Mm-hmm. And then we also iUniverse. I'm self-published. And Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. I now have a website, MichaelDMullins.com. Oh, wonderful! And so it, it can be it can be found along with my other selections at, at any of those locations. Uh, I've got a couple of audio books. Uh, one was co-done with three other MWSA members and wonderful writers, as well as the second poetry book, which was also done with them. And uh, you know, it's we uh, we all have different experiences, but there is a common thread, and so we each reach out, and uh, we decided to do it together. You know, we became a little mini fire team, but uh, yeah, I've uh, I think my email is included in my website too, so I will respond to emails mullins.m.1 at comcast.net. Wonderful, because I am sure that there are so many people who not only would want to read what you have written, but I'm sure that there'll be a lot more stories to come. Michael Mullins, thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much for your service. We appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoyed being on the program. I'd love to do it again someday if you get bored. (laughs) We'd love to have you. Okay. (laughs) On the other side of the break, we welcome Joyce Faulkner back in a moment.
Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrock. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Pinrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpinrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on Toginet.com. Helen Wu was born and raised in San Francisco's Chinatown. And after a very difficult upbringing, fighting depression, abuse, and addictions, she finally finds herself genuinely happy inside and out. Helen believes in taking our positive thinking and doing something positive to achieve a positive outcome. She's here to make a positive difference in your life, to be your game changer, your aha moment mentor. She's ready to help both men and women get into a better place. Helen Wu is also the author of Self-Aid Success Stories, 25 Success Stories from Successful Entrepreneurs. Inspired by Ellen DeGeneres, Helen wants the world to know that just because we find ourselves in a difficult situation doesn't mean we have to stay there. We can aid ourselves to a better life. So join us for Self-Aid Success Stories with Helen Wu. Wednesday nights at 10, 9 central on toginet.com. Put a boot in your ass, it's in. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey everyone, it's Robin Boyd here with Sandra Beck today on a great show. We started off today with Jody Bramer. Jo- Dr. Jody is a wonderful family therapist who always helps us find uh, the best things to think about and the best ways for us to move forward in our journeys. We had just finished chatting with Michael Mullins, a Vietnam veteran who has just written a book uh, entitled Out of the Mist, Memories of War. And his collection of short stories are something that everyone wants to pick up and enjoy and connect with because the stories there will certainly touch your heart. And Mike is a good friend of Joyce Faulkner, who is our next guest. Joyce, are you there today? I'm here. Welcome. I'm so glad that you're back with us for our Author's Corner segment. Thank you. I'm so glad to be back. Well, we we have covered quite a bit, and in the chat, you were saying, when we were talking earlier about Honor Flight, um, you were saying you have um, 
helped out with some veteran um, on a bus on a bus trip. Is that what you said? I'm scrolling back. Exactly. Exactly. This is about three or four years ago, uh, and they started out bringing uh, the veterans who were closer to uh, the D.C. area. Of course, we live in Pittsburgh, and they mm-hmm. would travel over in a day and back. And uh, I went as uh, the historian and uh, sat with the guys on the on the bus and chatted with them and took pictures of them as we, we saw the memorial. And, oh, it was so moving for them. You could see it was something that they had, uh, uh, hadn't had thought about in a long time, and it brought back so many memories, and, and they uh, felt happy and they felt sad and they remembered. And, and I just felt like a very lucky fly on the wall uh, just to be there to share it with them. And I think so many times that is exactly it. They've finally come full circle to something that has been a part of their life. It's been a challenge throughout their life to live with. And in um, sort of culminating that experience in this arena or this this memorial has to be moving, but it also has to be cathartic to a certain degree, would you say? Yeah, I, I think that there was one more mood as we drove over and mm-hmm. a different mood coming back. Uh, you know, driving over, they were excited and they were glad to be in each other's company and, and, and they were all kind of vying for my attention to tell me their mm. stories, which was terrific. That's uh, and coming back, it was a much more somber. Uh, I remember when I lost my friend. Mm. Uh, I remember when we were preparing to take the beach. You know, it was a different kind of tone. Uh, both were wonderful, don't get me wrong, but it was very, very different uh, to see what came back through their minds and their emotions and their hearts. Mm. Such a wonderful experience. Uh, Joyce, I'm so glad you had that opportunity. It was um, a blessing. And that sort of brings us to some of the topics that we wanted to talk about today, because those emotions and those um, feelings, those memories, then become the beginning of a story. And, exactly. Exactly. And how do they take that, those initial, I think um, I, I saw you ref- referring to it as a lump of clay and turning it into a beautiful sculpture. How does one take those beginning words and feelings and put them into something meaningful? Uh, well, what, what happens a lot, um, especially uh, with uh, my writing partner, Pat, and I, is that we do, like Mike, have a lot of people approaching us. They've written it down or they've recorded it, and, and they want it to be arranged, and they want it to be delivered in a way that's meaningful. And a lot of times it's really just for their families and for their, their military organizations, but it it really is more than that. It's it's their view of a historic moment. And um, so a lot of times what we get may be a little bit scattered and a little bit garbled because, you know, they're sitting down and they're remembering and they're writing it down in a moment of passion or in a moment of memories rushing back. And, you know, you can't write fast enough to get it all down. <laughs> and you don't want anybody editing during those moments anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have something that they want polished and, and presented. Uh, a lot of times they include uh, 
photographs and uh, military papers, maps, um, pictures of friends long gone, uh, things like that. So you want the word, and they want the words to to support all these this information. Um, so what we we do is we tell them there's a kind of a list of things they can do ahead of time. Uh, and this is whether you are a World War II veteran or you're an Iraqi Freedom veteran or you're uh, a military mom who's writing about your family or that experience. You've got it all written down now, maybe in a diary form. And, and there's kind of a checklist of things that you can do to, to, to prepare. Um, and the first thing that I would do is make sure that your whole story is there. Uh, put it down for maybe a month or two, and then come back to it and read it out loud. And if you stumble, rewrite that sentence. Mm -hmm. uh, but look to see if everything you intended to be in this story is there. A lot of times you'll find people saying, oh, I forgot, uh, you know, my best friend, Jimmy, uh, he did such and such. I want to be sure that I get that in there. You know, I forgot it the first time around. Uh, things like that. Uh, and then if you are working with a word processor, uh, there's a lot of tools within the word processor uh, that that will be helpful in finding errors. Um, the first one that I would do is the search. Uh, and you would search for certain uh, common errors that people make. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, uh, forward, uh, a lot of times people will spell it F-O-R-W-A-R-D, and mm -hmm. it really is F-O-R-E-W-O-R-D. So you can <laughs> yes. search for that and make sure it's, you know, proper. Um, the other thing you can search for are semicolons. And, while, and, and I want to kind of take a step back uh, to explain this. Um, what is grammatically correct may not be the most effective. And very long sentences, sometimes you lose your, your reader. You know, mm -hmm. the thoughts are so, they, they need that mental period of taking a, a mental breath before going on to the next thought. And I had a, a teacher long ago, uh, a writing teacher say that a semicolon is uh, just an indication that your sentence is too dead gum long. <laughs> 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 so go in and look at them at least, you know, and say, okay, is this what, do I really want this sentence to be, you know, actually three sentences tacked together with a semicolon, or maybe it should only be two sentences. Or maybe it should be three individual sentences. So it's a way of going and checking in your in your mind, you know, how would somebody else uh, see it. Um, the other thing that I always suggest to people is when you read it out loud, as I mentioned before, record it and then play it back to yourself. Oh, interesting. Uh, you'll find a lot of stuff that way. Uh, you know, that you can just say, oh, that's not what I meant to say, or mm -hmm. uh, I intended this to to be one way, but it comes off angry or it comes off rude, and I really meant it to be funny, mm -hmm. and you can rearrange it. You know, a lot of times that's what happens, that things that, that conversations that you remember that took place, you know, uh, on the battlefield or maybe... Uh, 
um, you know, as you're marching or, or whatever, may seem really funny in your memory, but when you tell it, it comes off flat. Uh, so, you know, rewording it so that modern audiences get the humor of it is always a good idea. And then uh, some of the other things that you can do is um, with military books and historical books, uh, passive voice is is uh, what people hear around them. It's how people speak. You know, mm-hmm. I was drafted and, and I was beaten and I was uh, ordered and I was whatever. And we had uh, a lot of uh, people who were POWs, and their work was very, very heavy in passive voice. It's almost like they couldn't bear to to name the enemy. And Mm -hmm. so saying, the Japanese soldier stabbed me, they would say, I was stabbed. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that makes the mind of the reader have to work a little bit harder. Uh, so it's always better to be more in active voice than passive voice. However, uh, the passive voice is also kind of the, the uh, as you're writing for healing, it's kind of the voice of, of uh, a survivor, a voice of someone who's been injured, someone who it's been done to. Uh, so you want to balance it out if you're an editor and if you're somebody who's writing it and it's a tender moment. You know, think about how you want people to read it. But it's kind of, uh, you know, a balance that you want to mm, reach. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of times if you're doing dialogue, uh, it's okay to use the passive voice because it really does reflect how the speaker feels. We can uh, always uh, thank you, Joyce, for so many interesting perspectives. We just have a minute left, so we do need to wrap up for today. But we'll have you back at the beginning of May. Can you believe how the spring is just here upon us and all of a sudden... We're we're saying uh, hello to to April and May. It's it's um it's really flying by too quickly. Joyce, thank you so much. And I know you've been under the weather for a couple of weeks, so thank you for for coming on with us. We always love having you here. Oh, thank you so much. I love being here. Talk to you soon. Okay, that's great. We want to make sure you visit mwsadispatches.com to find more about the Military Writers Society of America and more about Joyce and all of the wonderful uh, folks that she has uh, that are blossoming with stories to, to share with you. Next week, we have Fuzzy Manning coming, our good friend. We have Dr. Kelly Blasco and Genevieve Pituro, and I do hope I pronounced her last name right. Lots more to come next week. Thanks for being with us on Military Mom Talk Radio. Bye-bye.